0: There once was a woodcutter. He was tirelessly trying to saw a log in two. A wise man was watching nearby and asked, what are you doing? The woodcutter replied, are you blind? I'm cutting this log in half. Without hesitation, the wise man said, you look exhausted trying to cut with a dull saw. Why don't you take a break to sharpen your tool? The woodcutter explained that he had been sawing for hours. He did not have time to take a break to sharpen his saw. The wise man said, if you sharpen your saw, you would be able to cut through the log much faster. The woodcutter replied, as I said, I don't have time to sharpen the saw. Don't you see? I'm too busy cutting this log. Discouraged, the wise man walked away. Do you ever feel like that woodcutter? Do you ever feel too busy to stop, too slammed at work to take a day off. There there's too many deadlines for you to rest or relax. Are you ever completely overwhelmed by the 24-hour news cycle or the social media scrolling that you do for hours. If you are here today feeling a sense of fatigue, feeling overwhelmed, feeling absolutely tired, like like maybe you are cutting through life with a dull saw, then today is for you. And friends, there is hope for you. You see, there is a better way to live and that's exactly what we are going to be talking about Today. You see, God established something for His people called the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was one day given to the people of God to remember God, to rest, to pause, to be refreshed and renewed, and ultimately to sharpen their saw for what would come next. Now, maybe you're already pushing back and you're going, Eric, you don't understand. Things are crazy busy for me right now. I have so much going on in my life. Well, I want to lovingly remind you of the words of Pastor Dr. Derwin L. Gray, who says, God has too much he wants to do in and through you for you to not rest. You see, Today, we're talking about the long game plan of your life. We're talking about what it would look like for you to thrive and flourish for the long haul by taking a Sabbath and building that into the regular rhythm of your life. Now, before you begin to think, oh, Pastor Eric, he's got Sabbath down and, and everything he preaches, he's a pro at. Man, this is one of those areas that I actually struggle in. You know, a few weeks ago, Uh, One of my mentors, Derek, he took me out for lunch after I had preached a sermon on prayer and fasting. And and during that lunch, Derek said, hey, Eric, you did a great job preaching on fasting. I I really loved your sermon. And I thought to myself, all right, okay, cool. I, I pat myself on the back. I was feeling real good. And then he leaned in, Derek leaned in and he said, let me ask you a question, Eric. How often do you practice fasting? And man, I felt so convicted and I was so tempted to make up an answer that would make me sound more spiritual. But because he's my mentor, I looked at him and I said, Derek, hardly ever, I hardly ever practice fasting. And he said, well, Eric, let's, let's practice it together. And so we began a rhythm of fasting. I I come before you today wanting to talk about Sabbath, wanting to make the same admission that this is a struggle in my life, that stopping and pausing and resting long enough to experience God is difficult for me. But I'm so grateful to be married to one one of the most hardest working, an incredible woman, Sarah, who has this discipline of Sabbath down. And as I've watched it impact her life, as I've seen her, commit to resting and pausing. I've seen the impact that it's had on our family and on her. And even as I've begun to practice it more, I've seen the transformation that has taken place in my heart. You see, friends, I want us to think about Sabbath, not as a legalistic command full of burdens that we must keep, but as a spiritual discipline, an ancient practice that you and I are invited into that ultimately, I believe, our souls need. Well, before we talk about practicing the Sabbath, let's, let's get a better holistic understanding of what is the Sabbath. The first time we read about the Sabbath is actually in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. After God has created, He's created all the animals, the plants, sun and moon, He's created humans, and then all of a sudden something unique and special happens. By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God sets apart this seventh day and he blesses it and he makes it holy. The word holy just means to be set apart, distinct, other, significant. God makes it clear that there is something unique and special about this day because on Sabbath... He wants his people to follow his pattern, his example, to rest and to reflect. You see... The the root word for rest and Sabbath are absolutely identical in the Old Testament. In fact, this idea of taking a Sabbath shows up as one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Lynn Babb, who wrote an incredible book called Keeping Sabbath She says this, she says the Sabbath rhythm marked the 40 years, the nation of Israel wandered in the desert. Well, what was the Sabbath? How did ancient Jews practice it? Well, what they would do is Every Friday they would prepare to observe the Sabbath. Sabbath began Friday night at sundown all the way until sunset all the way to Saturday night at sunset. And so for those 24 hours, the Jews, the ancient Israelites, they would practice being restful in the presence of God. All day Friday, they would be preparing the meals that they would eat on their Sabbath so that they wouldn't have to do any work. That Friday night after preparations had been made, once Sabbath began, they would light some candles. They would experience a worship service together. They would share a meal together that they had already prepared. They would read Torah, which was the Old Testament, and they would spend some time praying, preparing their hearts to experience God, to put a pause On their regular routines that they might experience God. That morning, Saturday, they would wake up and they would participate in a worship service much longer than these worship services. And then they would study Torah, the Old Testament, again. They would share meals. They would have family time and play games. And at the very center of all of it was a desire to hit pause on life to get out of the rat race of the errands and the routines and the work and the commitments to stop, to be refreshed, to be renewed and to experience God again. You see, they understood that that Sabbath is about handing over one day a week so that we might remember the other six days aren't truly ours. Oh, you see, at the at the core of Sabbath is this deep biblical principle that God is the author and creator of all the days of our lives. And that as we hand him one Sabbath day of rest, that really it reminds us that he is actually the Lord of every day. To which we should be asking the question: if you're a follower of Jesus, how should Christians think about the sabbath well the sabbath shows up a number of times in the new testament it shows up a lot in the gospels as the religious leaders of jesus's day become critical of him and how jesus observed the sabbath on one of these occasions jesus is seemingly breaking a sabbath command or at least their interpretation of the sabbath and this is how jesus responds in mark chapter 2 verses 27 to 28 then he said to them jesus speaking the sabbath was made for man not not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus says two really important things here. He says, number one, the purpose of Sabbath is for you. It was given to you by God, not so that you could uh, become legalists and, and, and focus so much on the burden of keeping every single law. It was given to you that you might experience God. And then Jesus says, and just so you know, in case you forgot or you haven't picked up on this, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. You see, it's understandable that the religious leaders of his day would be asking Jesus about this because they took Sabbath very seriously. In fact, there's historical stories told of, of Jewish soldiers who during battle, when a, when a battle landed on a Sabbath day, they actually wouldn't fight. So much so that some of them died because they were killed on the battlefield because they wouldn't fight due to the fact that it was Sabbath. Well. The reality of Sabbath, as, as uh, Lynn Bab would say, is this: that during the six times Jesus clashed with the Jewish religious leaders over the Sabbath, he did not dispute the significance of the Sabbath day. Instead, he focused on what is appropriate Sabbath. Behavior And that's what we are going to talk about today. Now in, in Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 Sabbath comes up again Paul says therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Paul is saying, as a follower of Jesus, you are not strictly held to Sabbath observance anymore. And so don't let anyone judge you because you have been freed in Christ. But this does not mean that we completely throw out the Sabbath. In fact, as Lynn Babb, who's an expert on the Sabbath, she said, after the resurrection, Jewish Christians continued to observe the Sabbath. In addition, they met on Sundays to celebrate the resurrection. You see, Sabbath primarily took place on Saturdays, and Sabbath was a 24-hour time to rest in God's creation. But the Lord's Day, which the Christians begin to celebrate on Sunday. The Lord's Day is about celebrating the resurrection. It's the day Jesus rose from the, day, from the grave where we celebrate God's activity in the world. Now, Thomas Aquinas, uh, early church historian and father from 1225 to 1274, he, he broke up the Old Testament, divided the Old Testament laws into three categories. He said some of them are moral laws. These are the ones that are still binding on us as Christians. So, so the laws like do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, those kind of things we continue to practice as followers of Jesus because they have a moral component to them. Well, there's another group of laws in the Old Testament called the civic laws. These have to do with the uh, the commandments that are the laws that help the people of God function within their society, relate to kings and the structures of their day. Well, those are no longer necessary for us, and so we don't have to follow those as Christ. Uh, It's Christ followers. And then the third category were the ceremonial laws. These these are the, the food and dietary restrictions of the Old Testament. These are the sacrifices that they would make. And Sabbath fits into this category. And so what I want to suggest to you is that Sabbath is not a requirement for followers of Jesus. It fits into the ceremonial laws, but it actually is wise for us to follow. You see, if you treat every day the same, you will be burned out. Right? If, if, if every single day you are just caught up in the hustle of life, you are moving fast, you're not breaking at all, you are in the fast lane, just constantly doing and going and doing and going, you are headed on the fast track for burnout. Friends, this is true of your lives. This is true for your families. This is true for anything in your house. This is true even for your car. You see, a a few weeks ago, our family of six piled into our car and we were headed out for a wedding. And I decided I wanted to get our car washed before we went to this wedding. And so as we're pulling up to the car wash, I need to tell you something. As we're pulling up into the car wash, I had to prep my kids because there's two of our kids who are deathly afraid of car wash. I mean, they just think the machine around them is going to to come into the car going to you know take them out or whatever and so they are literally I mean they literally have panic attacks they're freaking out about the car wash and so we told them it's going to be okay we're going to get through the car wash everything's going to be great we pull into the car wash and you know washes the car some of the kids are a little bit nervous and we're like we're going to be out soon we're going to be out soon well as soon as the car wash had finished all of a sudden that green light came on that said drive forward drive forward I try to put the car from park into drive and it will not go into gear. Literally, the the shifter is just moving without locking into any of the gears. And I start to panic. We're in the middle of a car wash and my vehicle will not move forward. I call my mechanic and I go, bro, my kids are freaking out right now. Like, I need you to come and help. We're trapped in a car wash. In fact, we have a picture here. This was literally us. We were trapped in that car wash for one hour, just sitting there in the car wash. The kids are freaking out. I'm having to tell the people behind us, hey, you need to back out because my car is trapped. Well. Our mechanic came, he, he's like a Superman. He just comes under the car, fixes it real quick. We drive to his shop and it ended up derailing much of our plans that day. Why? Because our car was in a bad condition and I didn't even know about it. Because we were running on empty because we were going too hard and the car needed a break. You see, it's not just our cars that need that. It's not just our technology devices that need to be charged. It's our souls as well, You see, God was teaching His people in the wilderness that Sabbath will form you, that it will train you, and that it will even sharpen you. And so followers of Jesus, what I want to talk about today is not a command, it's, it's wisdom. It, it's you and I deciding that the way in which the pace in which we are living our lives with no rest, no break, no pause is not good for us. And that maybe because God's word is true, that he has a better way for you and I. And so I want to suggest that that if you and I choose to practice Sabbath, that our lives will be changed and our lives will be sharpened in at least three different ways. Number one is this, practicing the Sabbath will sharpen your ability to trust God. In, in Exodus chapter 16 verses 21 to 30, this is the first time in the Old Testament that the word Sabbath is even used. And it comes at a very interesting time in Israel's journey. It's towards the beginning of their time in the wilderness. They've, they've left the slavery of Egypt. God is taking them to the promised land, but it is in this season that He is trying to shape and form His people to trust Him even when things are scary, even when the future is unknown. I mean, they're out Out in the wilderness, unsure how they are going to even have enough food to eat. And it is in that place that God promises to provide for them and he calls them to still rest even when things are crazy and chaotic and uncertain. Can I get an amen out there? Is there anyone watching right now who your life feels chaotic, crazy, and scary and everything in you wants to control, everything in you says you cannot take a break, you cannot rest, you cannot pause? Well, the Israelites understand that feeling and it is in that moment that God speaks to his people. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until the morning." So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. I want to just pause there for a second. Let's just pause there. Go back there for a second. God is telling his people when you practice Sabbath, you will learn to trust me. And on the sixth day, as you collect more, you'll wake up on the seventh. and There will be a part of you that will feel anxious. There will be a part of you that will say, I, I got to continue going. There will be part of me that says, I can't stop because what if the next day nothing comes and it is on Sabbath that God says, I want to remind you that you can trust me. But then the Israelites do what you and I do. Verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it But they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Notice they went out on the seventh day in their own strength. And what did they find? Nothing. It's as if God is saying, if you are going to treat every single day the same, that you're not going to find what you're looking for, that your soul is not going to be satisfied, that if you choose to not trust me and instead trust in yourself and do whatever it is that you want to do in that moment, instead of submitting your life to me, you're going to come up empty. You're not going to get what you're looking for. You see, when you and I practice Sabbath, it will sharpen our ability to trust God because what they chose to do is they chose to put their priorities and even their fears above God and they missed it. That all along, God is trying to teach us as we take a Sabbath to ultimately trust Him. And when we do it actually changes the rest of our week. That if you were to carve out a 24-hour period in your week where you say, this is my Sabbath, this is the time I'm going to rest and pause and not work and sit in the presence of God, that when you do that, it will impact the rest of your life. It's why Walter Brueggemann, uh, he says this, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. In Lynn Babb's book, Keeping Sabbath, she talks about the power of this. She says that for for the Israelites, for those that were wandering in the wilderness, when they practiced Sabbath Friday night to Saturday night, it, it impacted their whole week. On Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, they were reflecting on and remembering the gift that Sabbath was. And then on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, they began to anticipate and get excited for what was to come, preparing for Sabbath. And you guys, I've seen this in my family. Sarah, again, has taught us so much about Sabbath. And and we begin our Sabbath night on Friday night. We actually do it Friday night to Saturday night. On Friday night, we always enjoy a great meal together. And it ends with pizookie, which I don't think the Israelites have pizookies. Bummer for them, but we get pizookies. So we have a cookie and ice cream. We share it as a family. We have great conversations. And we hear from our kids throughout the whole week that their favorite day of the week was Sabbath, the day where mom and dad put down their phones, the day where we weren't checking Instagram or worrying about work, but we were being present and we were experiencing God together. And friends, it's it's because when we hit pause, when we turn all the devices off, when we quiet the noise around us, there's transformation that comes. It's why in Isaiah thirty fifteen it says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. It's why the psalmist in sixty two, Psalm 62, verse 5 says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Notice it says, find rest in God. Not find rest in sitting in your room scrolling through Instagram. Sabbath is not about you just filling yourself with something else. It's about you intentionally saying, I want to be filled with God that I want to intentionally be in his presence so that I might be renewed and refreshed, that I might see and trust God. You see, friends, Satan is always trying to tempt you and I to abandon God's best for us. When it comes to Sabbath, Satan wants us to just keep on going and going and going because he knows it will be to the detriment of our soul and our bodies and our lives and our mental health and our emotional health and our spiritual health and our intimacy with God. And so Satan in the 21st century in our American culture is waging war on your soul. And one of the things he is doing is filling you and I with so much distraction and busyness that we miss hearing the voice of God. You see, this is a larger principle, but it applies for Sabbath too. When you're tempted to abandon Sabbath, I want you to think about this. Temptation is an escape from what God has planned for you. Any temptation you're facing, I know there's a party that seems like, oh, the temptation is good. Oh, the temptation is what my heart longs for. I want that. The reality is this temptation, whether it's a temptation to not practice Sabbath or a temptation to participate in that sin or a temptation to just keep going or, or, to, or to unleash anger and rage on somebody. Temptation of any kind is an escape from what God has planned for you. It's why the North North African 4th century church follower St. Augustine, said, You have made us, in a prayer to God, you have made us for yourself. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. Number two, practicing the Sabbath will sharpen your ability to love others. So not only will practicing the Sabbath sharpen your ability to trust God, but practicing the Sabbath will sharpen your ability to love others. Check this out. At the the, the foundation, in, in, in in the middle of Sabbath is this idea that God wants his people to be just, that God wants his people to be compassionate and kind, that God wants his people to resemble him and be an example of his love in the world. Look at what it says in Exodus 23 verses 9 to 11. Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. For six years, you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, the Sabbath year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Why? Why? Glad you asked. Then the poor among your people may get food from it and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. You see, God knew that we, were, that we had a proclivity and a temptation towards consuming and exploiting and abusing and using people for our own advantage, whether it's in our workplaces, in our relationships, in our interactions, that if we aren't careful as humans who, who struggle with sin, it is our, our inclination to take advantage of others. And God established Sabbath that it might inspire you and I and remind us to love others. In, in fact, the Israelites, at a season where they were living in sin, they even recognized that Sabbath was getting in the way of them taking advantage of others. I had never seen this before, but look at what it says in Amos chapter 8, verses 4 to 6. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat? Skimping on the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. Literally, the Israelites recognize that Sabbath is getting in the way of them doing whatever they want to do. In other words, if in reverse you and I chose to practice Sabbath, we would be protected from seeing people as objects, from seeing people as annoyances. Is there anyone in your life right now that you see as a problem, not as a person? Is there any group of people in your life that you're annoyed by, that you're frustrated with, that you, that you are tempted to not see as people made in the image of God? Will the Lord establish Sabbath that you and I would pause and rest long enough to remember that every person is made in the image of God, that we might see them the way he sees them and love like he has called us to love. Lynn Babb, again, she, she says this, Part of the purpose of the Sabbath for Israel was to practice justice as a redeemed people. It's why when Jesus was Criticized in John chapter 5 for, again, the way that he was practicing Sabbath, the story goes like this. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Don't miss this. If any of you are watching, you're going, man, Jesus was just a religious teacher, but he wasn't God. Well, he claimed it. So you got to take his claims seriously. And as he claimed to be God, he proved it by dying on the cross and rising from the dead. In other words, his interpretation of Sabbath is important. It is the most important for us. And as Jesus observed Sabbath, there were those moments where his heart was moved with compassion for people. And so he acted on that. It's why John Perkins says justice is birth from the very heart of God. He revealed divine intent in the act of creation. When he created man in his own image, in his own likeness, he put all people on an even plane regardless of color worthy of dignity and respect. You see, Sabbath draws us back to the beginning when we remember that every single one of us is created in the image of God. And so our calling is to love others when we practice sabbath we'll be sharpened to love others because when we observe sabbath when we slow down long enough we'll be reminded as we sit in god's presence we'll be reminded of his kingdom values and we'll even be reminded of the hurts and the pain in our community that god is calling us to address and to meet number three Practicing the Sabbath will sharpen your ability to stand out. In Exodus 31, verses 12 to 13, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. See, the Sabbath was one thing that set apart Israel from all of the surrounding communities. It was one of the ways that they were set apart, that they were different, that they were distinct from their community. And in a world right now that is so uncertain that is so unaware of the ways that we're destroying ourselves in a world that is going nonstop, where there is constant media consumption all around us. There is, I believe, so much power and appeal to another way. You see, I don't know if you saw this, but Nike recently announced that they were giving all of their employees a one-week-long mental health break. And Nike did this, LinkedIn did this, a number of other large companies did this. I mean, they just recognized that working in COVID has been incredibly draining on the mental health of their employees. So they said, we're all taking a break for a week, which I applaud that. I think that's really cool. That's awesome that they did that. But let me, let me say something for a second. One week of vacation will not fix 51 weeks of an uh, unsustainable pace of life. You see, th- this is important, but what's more important is living life in a healthy Sabbath rhythm so that you can function in healthy ways in the world so that you're set apart. I mean, look at the power. Look at the power of trusting God and taking a break, taking a Sabbath. In Psalm forty-six ten, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When is God exalted in this passage? It's when we choose to be still, when we choose to take a Sabbath, when you choose to carve out a section of your week, a 24-hour period or whatever you can to say, God, I'm going to trust you with this time. Your neighbors, your friends, your family will lean in and say, first off, how do you do that? How can you possibly do that? Why are you doing that? And it will cause you to be sharpened in your ability to stand out. We have some, uh, our friends, Justin and Tina, they have something on Sabbath called the no dot days. And on these days, they, they think about their calendar. And maybe you have a calendar on your phone where there's dots that represent the activities that you'll be doing all throughout your week and month. Well, they have a rule that their Sabbath means no dot days. They don't put anything on it. You see, here, here's here's my calendar for the month. I've got full of dots. And some of these are like, like, look. Sam and Jesse Hunter, it's their anniversary. Happy anniversary, Sam and Jesse. We love you guys. Today's Levi's birthday. What's up, Levi? Happy birthday. I'm preaching. That's what's happening right now. We got stuff on our calendar, but let me ask you, would you consider taking a day where, and this is just some information, but would you take a day where you say, I'm not going to plan any events. I'm not going to plan any activity. In fact, I'm going to intentionally say no so that I can say yes to God. Let me give you a few practical ways to practice the Sabbath. Number one, calendar out 24 hours or whatever you can do every week for your Sabbath. That doesn't have to be Friday night to Saturday night. That could be Monday. That could be Thursday. That could be any day where you just carve out and you say, this is protected. This is my Sabbath. Turn off your phone. Avoid doing any chores or errands. Don't do work. Don't check social media or your email. Read your Bible for an extended time. Really enjoy God's presence. Prioritize some family time. Go outside and enjoy God's creation. Intentionally go outside and try to notice all of God's beauty all around you. See, friends, this, this is so important because as Judith Sholovit says, we have to remember to stop because we have to stop to remember. See, what if you and I set apart a 24-hour time period and said, at this time, I'm going to stop. At this time, time, I'm going to Sabbath. At this time, I'm going to allow God to sharpen my saw. At this time, I'm going to rest in God's presence. At this time, I'm going to celebrate the risen Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And at this time, I'm going to be an example to a weary and tired world. Friends, if you and I choose to practice Sabbath, I believe God will sharpen our ability to trust him. He'll sharpen our ability to love others. And He'll sharpen our ability to stand out in the world. And so, are you going to continue to try to saw through the log with a dull saw? Or are you going to allow God to sharpen your saw? Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word that invites us as Christ followers to embrace the ancient practice of Sabbath, not as some legalistic, burdensome keeping of the law, but as an invitation to refresh our souls as we celebrate the risen Jesus, as we love you and God in pausing and resting in your presence. Would you sharpen our saw for the week ahead?